Last week, Apostle Ken preached a brilliant word, and he took the story of Joshua with the people of Israel crossing over to the promised land. Is that okay? The land of promise. And then over here, we had a piece of red tape, and there was a barrier here that said, faith line, do not cross until the message was over, and then the tape was taken down, and then we all stepped over by faith into something else. That's a prophetic action, and I want to tell you many times, many, many times, I have done prophetic actions. And under the inspiration of the Lord, it is something that brings about a result. Are you all with me? Okay. Now I'm going to say something very profound, okay, in a moment. I'm going to say the profound thing, and you're going to be shocked and amazed at the depth of my understanding and knowledge. Is that okay? So, the children of Israel walked, meandered through the wilderness for 40 years due to disobedience. But the point came, and the Bible tells us, beginning from Joshua chapter 1, and God talked to Joshua, told him to be strong, very courageous, to lead. Moses is dead. you the leader. You need to step in. And uh, Apostle Ken took it from the point of view is that those things that you have not obtained yet, those things that you have not possessed, those things that you've been believing God for that you have not entered to believe God, be strong and courageous and take a faith step across the line. Is that right? And so their journey then began into the promised land. Tom Scarella spoke about it in his video message to me. He said, I see something happening powerfully, a move of God, a move of the Spirit, like revival in ACF that is coming to ACF. And I've been hearing it more and more and more from individuals in the church. Ken even emailed me his notes and he said, just look, I didn't, I was running out of time, but I was over time, but just look towards the end. And he was saying the same thing. There's a sense that God is about to break in onto the scene. So the profound thing that I was going to say is that a walk is made up of steps. Now, is that not amazing? Okay, so we took a step across the line. But the thing is, you know, very often we think, how's God going to accomplish this? How's God going to elevate me in business? How's God going to give me a financial breakthrough? How am I going to be healed? What is necessary? We took a faith step, but then we walked. So a walk is made up of steps. Is that okay? Everybody walks differently. You know, we all walk the same, one foot in front of the other. But we've got different gates and, you know, different ways of walking and things like this. And so we've all got a different walk, but our walk is made up of steps. The most important thing for us is that the Christian life, I started to do a study on it this week, and I did not realize how much the Bible had to say about walking with God. So I want to just touch on it this morning. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, It says this, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, which let's just bring that out as the word, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So listen to this, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Now, this is the sentence you've got to really hear. For then you will make your way prosperous. What do you say? I will make it. I will make my way prosperous. Now, how many of you want your way to be made prosperous? So you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So how do you make your way prosperous in God? And that word is very broad, because we've limited to finances, and yes, finances are important, but there's a successful way, and it happens if we meditate on God's word. It's really interesting that the biblical word for meditate, and that's one translation, if you look up at the ESV, it says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. In other words, it's something you should be constantly confessing. Biblical meditation is to hear yourself speaking what God says. Is that okay? And so it's made up of a walk. And I want to just touch on something this morning concerning walking with God. Okay? So as a church and you as individuals, God is doing something with us, for us, because he wants to do something powerful through us. And it's going to require us to walk with God, okay? So as individuals, as many individuals, as many members there are here this morning, that's how many needs there are. And if you just add two or three for each person, there's a whole lot of needs. But we will find success if we walk with God. And we need to walk it out. It's daily steps with God which adds up to a journey, a walk. The autobiography of Madiba was called The Long Walk 
to freedom. I want to tell you that you've also got a long walk to destiny. You've also got a long walk to freedom. Isn't that right? So it tells us that Enoch walked with God. And then he was not because God took him. And then it tells us that Noah walked with God. The patriarchs walked with God. In other words, they lived their lives with God. It tells us about Abraham in particular, that he was looking for a city with foundations whose architect and builder was God. And so when he left Ur of the Chaldees and he began to walk, what he was doing as he went past every city, he was looking, but he could not see a city that was designed and architected by God that didn't have the foundations that he saw in a vision. Now, how many of you know that by faith, Abraham was walking towards something that we are now because we are the city of God. We are the city set on the hill. We are the New Jerusalem. We are the Mount Zion. Okay, it's not something that's going to happen one day after we fly away. It's a present reality. Everybody say it's now. Okay, and so he walked, he sojourned, he was a pilgrim through life looking. Okay, so life is a walk of many steps. And, uh, you know, we all walk differently. Our paths are somewhat individual, but they've got the same destination and the same goal. And for us as a church, that's where we're heading. I just want to just talk to you that God is a walking God. God walks with us. So Genesis 3.8, Adam and Eve, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. Isn't that awesome to know that whatever journey you're on, whatever track you're on, whatever direction that you're heading, God is walking with you. Leviticus 26 verse 12, God said this to the Israelites. He said, and I will walk among you and will be your God and you shall be my people. So people have got different walks. Micah said, you know, concerning the people of Israel at one stage and talking about other nations. He said, for all the peoples walk each in the name of its God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever. And to walk in the name of God is to walk in his character and his nature. In other words, we start to walk like him. I like what Prophet Krebus always used to say, if it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Isn't that right? So if you walk like Jesus and you talk like Jesus, then to people you will be a Jesus to them. Amen? So we walk with God. We walk with him. So for ACF, I feel a little bit like the Apostle Paul when he wrote to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Paul said this, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk, you saw our example, how you ought to walk in to please God, just as you are doing. He says, but my desire is that you do so more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I know you're walking with God. Amen? Is that right? Who is not walking with God? Because then we'll get you up the front and we'll pray for you, tell you how about Jesus and get you walking with him. Amen? So I'm confident of but we need to walk with the Lord because God has got a specific plan and purpose for us as a church. God has got a plan. God's got direction for us. I mean, many people have gained so much comfort from Jeremiah 29 verse 11, which says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Listen to this. Plans for welfare and not for evil. Come on, church. If there's negativity, if there's something evil happening in your life, it is not God. How many of you know God does not give you cancer to teach you a lesson? God does not put you through a hard time to teach you a lesson. Very often we go through stuff we got ourselves there. By our disobedience or whatever. You know, we get ourselves into trouble. Our lack of wisdom. You know, our craving for something and we overextend our budgets and then we're in trouble and then we're going like, oh, you know, what's God trying to... No, no, God's not trying to teach you anything. Well, He is... You know, it's like next time, you know, stick within your budget. Is that okay? But what he does is he promises to walk with you. He promises to give you wisdom. He's going, I'm on this track with you. You know? I mean, he hooks in arm and arm. And that's one of the reasons why Jesus said in Matthew, later in Matthew, I'm thinking of the, and I think the verse is 28. But in Matthew, he basically, it might be 11. But he said, 
come unto me, all you are heavy laden, you know, and he says, take my yoke, for my burden is easy in life. So what he was saying was to take his yoke upon us. In other words, what he was saying is, I will hook in with you. You hook in next to me, and we'll pull this load together. And he said, I'll give you rest for your soul. I don't know about you, but when you pick up something heavy, it's just so much nicer when someone comes and grabs the other side. You know, and he, that's the kind of God he is. He says, come on, I'll walk this thing with you. I will walk it with you. You know the whole, you know, the poem about the footsteps. And Andre was telling me that in his study on Hebrew, that the um, Hebrew scholars literally say in the Hebrew, that when we were going through time, if you, if, and these Hebrew scholars have studied it, and Andre studied them, they say that's literally true. In the time of difficulty, God is literally carrying us. Because sometimes you, you wonder, how did I get through that? Come on, just, just reflect on your own history. I mean, and you're here today. You made it. And often it feels like God is not with you. You're all alone. You're trudging through the thing on your own. But listen, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So come on, God is with you. That's why one of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel. God with us. Isn't that right? And so... You know, we need to realize that he's got a plan for us. He says, I've got plans for you, declares the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for evil. Listen to this. To give you a future and a hope. There's one uh, translation. That's Jeremiah 29, 11. There's one translation that says a predicted outcome. Isn't that awesome? Come on, say, I've got a predicted outcome. Say, it's not going to get worse. It's going to get better. Yeah. It's going to get better. Psalm 16, verse 9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Now, I've had a lot of plans in my life, and my plan did not include being in Benera Park. But he established my steps. He established my steps. I started a career as a you know, pupil technician, a junior engineer. And I ended up in structural drafting and all of that kind of thing. And God rudely interrupted my life one day when I just began to feel unsettled. And uh, a very good place to meditate is the toilet. Yeah. yeah. It's the only great white throne that we're going to stand before. Amen. Okay. Take it from me. And I went to the bathrooms and I sat in the toilet and I said, Jesus, what's going on? And immediately he spoke to me, and he said to me that I've called you to the ministry. And he said, seek first my kingdom, and then I'll add these things to you. And I walked out, and I was like, Lord, what are you doing? And I've got a church that Sunday, and uh, see, God always speaks to you first. And so my mom used to tell me from when I was a little baby, she'd had dreams and things. I mean, she even said to me that Ivor and Andrew and my sister Lynette would be in the church with me when I was three, four years old. And I got to church that day, and the pastor said to me, called Bev and I, we were still dating, and uh, no, I think we were just married, and he said, it's been confirmed so many times, the Lord has called you to ministry. You need to quit your job and go into full-time ministry. And I said, no, I know God told me, told me this week. Bev standing there like this. Because <laughs> I didn't tell her. Wise man. And uh, so I said, I know, what do I do? Now, I had plans, but the Lord was ordering my steps. Wasn't that awesome? And so the next thing I knew, we had given up everything, flying to England, trusting God. And when I greeted my family at the airport in Harare, Zimbabwe, I greeted them like I would never see them again because I did not know where God was taking us. My heart was, I wanted to be back in Africa. I did not know where I would end up. I did not know. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, then it becomes a real adventure, amen? And a scary adventure, but it's an adventure. So God has got a purpose and a plan for you. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I absolutely love it. So Psalm 1, 6 says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Yeah. Amos chapter 3, verse 3. It says, Do two walk together unless they've agreed to do so. So, come on church, we need to align ourselves with God's plan for our lives. And it doesn't mean to say that you're in the wrong job. It doesn't mean to say that you need to change jobs. It doesn't mean to say that we all leave our jobs and go into full-time ministry. It doesn't mean that. But what it means is that, you know, your job is probably part of your calling. 
Because how do those people hear the gospel there if you're not there? You know, but the point is this, that I need to align myself with God's plans and purposes for myself. I need to agree with him. Amen. David said, all the days, all the steps of my life are ordered of the Lord. So I've got to hook up with him. I mean, he's the team leader. He's the one that I need to walk with. And there's a specific way that we walk. There's a direction, but there's a specific way that we walk. Amen? But we need to come into agreement with God. It's amazing to me how I have personally struggled with things, and I think, why am I struggling to obey God? Why don't I just walk with God? Why don't I just walk His way? You see, sometimes we are fiercely independent. Sometimes we think somehow, I don't know, we're cleverer than Him. And I mean, why don't we just obey and walk with God? It sure is easier. Amen? So we need to align ourselves. We need to walk with Him. So Psalm 56 verse 13 says, For you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Come on, church. Let me just explain it. I know I'm throwing a lot of verses, and you're going to get a lot this morning. And so when we walk, we walk in the light of life. If we walk in His light, we are walking in life. Amen? And so then the welfare, the predicted end, you know, that God has for us is a good end, and it's not destruction. It's not poverty. It is not sickness. Amen? Amen. So I like what Henry Ford says. How many of you have ever heard of Henry Ford? Okay, have you heard of Ford motor cars? Well, Henry Ford was a Christian, and this is what he said. Those who walk with God always reach their destination. Come on, that's a good place to say amen. 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 And so J.C. Rao says this, a great theologian, says this, Don't worry, God has gone before you and prepared the way. Just keep walking. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, come on, keep walking with God. It's going to be worth it all. He goes on to say this, We want more men and women who walk with God and walk before God. Like Enoch and Abraham. Come on, we walk before God. A lot of the prophets would stand and say, the God before whom I stand said this to me. In other words, to whom I'm accountable, under whose authority I stand. Is that okay? So we need to walk with God and before God under His direction, under His leadership, under accountability to Him. There's a certain way that we walk, okay? So the next thing is that before we even start the journey, God gives us steady feet. Sure-footedness is essential. Is that okay? So the Bible's got a lot to say about this, and I'm not going to say all of it. But listen to what David said. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of my miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock. Jesus. Making my steps sure. Amen. I don't know if I had not followed the Lord where I would be. Because disobedience has a price. It has an outcome. You know, you can get sidetracked and end up in detours. I mean, that's why the story of Israel wandering in the wilderness is there to show us what it's like not to walk in obedience with God. A journey that could have taken days took years, 40. And people died in an arid, barren place rather than enjoying a fruitful land of milk and honey. That story there, come on church, that story there is for us. And we need to heed it. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, all these things that happened to them were written down as examples for us. Now, I don't know about you. I've done some detours in my life, and it's cost and it's added to the journey. I would rather just take the direct route. Isn't that right? How many of you have done the scenic tour <laughs> in your life? No, no, you've been around. Eh? You've done the scenic tour, and uh, sometimes the scenery is not so lacquer. But, um, you know, we need to walk with God and be assured of our destination. Sure footing. Ephesians six thirteen to 15. Paul says, put on the full armor of God. Now, how many of you know the armor of God is Jesus himself? So we need to stand clothed with Christ so that when the day of evil comes, everybody say the day of evil. When the day of evil, now it doesn't mean one day when the Antichrist comes. That's not the day of evil. The day of evil means when you go through something. 
and you might be going through something and someone else is not going through it. You might be going through a day of evil, a specific period of temptation. And you know, a lot of us have experienced that during the COVID years. For many, COVID was an evil day. So Paul is talking about that we need to then stand clothed with Christ, and then he mentions all the different parts of the armor. But the one that I want to just give my attention to today is this. And he said that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, have sure-footedness, okay? And after you've done everything, to what? To stand. You can be crying, but just keep standing, all right? The snot can be running, but just keep standing. Is that okay? Don't give up, all right? Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Now listen here. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The readiness. I'm going to change that word. Is that okay? And that is to the, and your feet shod with the, okay, that's a different translation. I think I've got the NIV. So it says, your feet fitted with the steadiness. You want to say steadiness? From the gospel of peace. One thing about the gospel, and he's not necessarily talking about, yes it is, that when we preach the gospel, it brings peace to people, but it first brings peace to us. The gospel brings peace to me first. And so what he was talking about was the boots that the Roman soldiers were wearing, because that's what he's describing, and just turning it into a picture for us. And something about the boots of the Romans is that they were hobnailed. In other words, that sort of lumps or spikes underneath, so that when the soldiers stood, that his feet didn't slip. Because when he had to defend and thrust with a sword, he needed sure-footedness so that he wouldn't fall. So he talks about the fact that the sure-footing, listen to this church, is peace with God. Amen. Amen. The greatest peace, the greatest assurance that you can have is that you're all right with God. And God is okay with you. Is that all right? It's a base emotion inside of every single human being. And it harks all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And that is when Adam and Eve sinned and God came walking in the cool of the garden. They were afraid because they felt naked and ashamed and they hid. Because they were not sure of their relationship with God. When the second Adam came, the last man, the second Adam, when he came, he restored our relationship with God. And Paul says, now we have got peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, no matter what you're going through, you can stand and go like, me and God, we're cool. We're all right. I have got a right relationship with him. He's my father. I'm his child. Listen, the first thing that the enemy uses when you're going through difficulties, he starts to try to tamper with that relationship so that he can fracture your sense of peace because then you lose your footing. You can't stand Firm and having done all, stand because you'll collapse in a heap because suddenly you'll think God is angry with you. God is disappointed with you. Somehow God has got an issue with you. But Paul tells us in Romans 8, if God is for us, who can be against us? Come on, he's for us. Amen. So this morning, your walk with God needs to have in its foundation that you've got peace with God because your relationship with him is okay. Is that all right? Listen. You know, a lot of times the bad news preachers preach that um, the reason why you can't hear God is because your sin has separated you from God. That's an Old Testament verse. And yes, it's not a license to sin. And yes, it can affect our relationship. But if you understand, then it doesn't have to separate you from God because very often we are separated in our own consciousness. But God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Come on, church, there is two types of sin. There's sins of commission and there's sins of omission. In other words, there's sins you do, but all of us, even if you go and say, Pastor John, I'm not doing any of these things. You know, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't hang out with those girls, and I don't dance, and I don't get, you know, I don't do drugs. I, you know, I'm in church every week, and I'm a good person. Yeah, but what about the things we're supposed to be doing that we're not doing? There's sins of omission. So if that was the case, we would be totally, eternally separated from God. And so peace with God. So the first thing he does is he establishes our feet before we start walking. Okay. So sure footing. And then the other thing that he gives us before we even begin to embark on our journey is the knowledge of the watchfulness and the care of God. I love it. Psalm 121 verse 3. He will not let your foot be moved... 
He who keeps you will not slumber. Yeah. Come on, listen. When you're sleeping, God's watching over you. When you're sleeping, he's planning out your day. You know, how do we walk with him the next day, you know? And so he neither slumbers nor sleeps, the one that watches over Israel. And so Proverbs 5.21 says, For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. Uh, isn't that awesome? God is pondering my paths, you know? And it's like, yeah, I wonder where John's going to go today. I wonder what my son is going to do. I wonder what he's up to. I mean, that's awesome. I've got stuff for him to do tomorrow. Don't you just love it? Come on, we've got to walk to walk with God. How are we going to get to that thing that we stepped over the line for? That was a step. How are we going to get to? It's multiple of steps and we need to walk with God. We're going to walk right in to the blessing of God. Then comes the walk. So first of all, what is the destination? And you know, for us individually... We um, took steps of faith over there because some of us seriously need breakthrough. Some of us seriously need provision. Some of us seriously need intervention for family members. Some of us seriously need God to do something in a hurry. Some of us need healing. Some of us. But what are we walking towards? What is the destination? Let me just give you the big picture first. Because all of those things that you stepped across the line for fit into the big picture. So what is the big picture? The big picture, as Paul says in Ephesians 4.13, he says, Till we all come into the unity of the faith, the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, listen to this, unto a perfect man, the NIV says, becoming mature, okay, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Isn't that amazing? That's where he's taking us. That's why when he whispers in your heart something, that's why when he speaks something, that's why you have preachers and teachers. That's why when you read the word and something stands out, God is working purposefully with a plan and he's showing you what is ahead for your life. Is that okay? He's taking us by his spirit out of and into the perfect man, the full stature, the full measure of Christ. I mean, that's a big deal, isn't that right? And so God is modifying us. God is sanctifying us. God is changing us. God is taking us somewhere. So Jesus said in John 14 verse 12, and part of the package is this, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me. All right, let's see hands. Who believes in Jesus? He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall ye do also. And greater works than these shall ye do, because I go to my Father. I mean, that's a loaded statement. That's a loaded statement. I wish I could divert now off the path of my sermon, but I can't because my steps are in a certain direction. But I will just briefly mention this. When Jesus said, basically what he's saying, the works that I do, you will do, and even the greater works, because I'm going to the Father. And so what he was saying, and if you look earlier in John, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. He said, I'm going to my father to prepare a place for you so that you can be a fully matured son like me. Is that okay? So that you can do the works that I am doing and you can do even greater works. Is that good? Amen. So how many of you are signing up for that? I'm signing up for that. I just pray for everybody. I want to see God working. Now, that's the big picture. But that's the macro. The micro is this, that God created you with a unique gift mix. That all, when we come together, it looks like the fullness of Jesus. So you've got a different background. You grew up with, you know, from a family environment. You came through, you've worked through issues. But then God, what he does by the Spirit, he just distributes giftings in us. So that when we come together as a body, we are the body of Christ with nothing lacking. That everything is present. Gifts of mercy, gifts of administration, everything is there so that we come together. And God is leading us all into that. So the amazing thing is, you know, I like what... um, Harry is wearing. He says, I don't need Google. My wife knows everything. <laughs> so, so that's really awesome. Bev would say it the other way around. But listen, you don't need Google Maps for the spiritual walk that you're on. You've already got the map book, and that is the Word of God. That's your root plan, isn't it? It's got a built-in G- you've got a built-in GPS called the Holy Spirit. 
And so we need to start walking in the light that we have with the vision that we have. So now, the path that you to walk is already illumined. It's already highlighted. There's just something about a lit road, a well-marked road. They're less so now in South Africa, uh, but we trust with the new changes, we'll get streetlights and things like that again, and good road markings. But it's all there for a purpose. And God has illumined your path. You know, we don't have an excuse. So the road for us is the Word of God. It's amazing to me as we read through the Scriptures that there are many examples of people who left the road. The examples of people who stopped walking the road. But there's fantastic examples of people who walked with God and accomplished great things. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be one of those. There was a song that we used to sing a long time ago. And uh, it went kind of like this. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. While we do His good will, He abides with us still. And with all those who will trust and obey. See, when we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. So Psalm 119 is all about the Word. Psalm 119, 104 says, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Come on, church, that's why we've got to get into the Word. I, I sometimes... You know, I sometimes get really frustrated with believers because it's like, I don't know, why is this happening to me? And I want to say to them, take your Bible, open the pages, and start reading. Root Finder. They tell me the new app Waze is better than Google Maps. So take the ways of God. You know, walk in His way. Come on, church. I mean, we've got to get back to the Word. Isn't that right? So I'm saying things that are not new to you, but it bears repetition. Because very often, when people come like Apostle Ken and says, this is where God's taking you, we think that God is going to just pick us up you know, in a wheelbarrow. I preached a sermon many years ago. Many, many years ago. Many years ago. Because I got so tired, you know, I brought a wheelbarrow into church. And when I stood up to preach and I wheeled the wheelbarrow and I put it down, I said, that's it. I'm parking the wheelbarrow. I'm not wheelbarrowing anyone into heaven anymore. you got to get there on your own steam. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Because it's like everybody wants everybody to do something for them. They're not prepared to do it for themselves. I've got people coming, trauma, tragedy, you know, all this kind of thing. And then they say, Pastor, you got to pray. I'm fasting and praying for them because I'm so worried. And I hear they jawling and having a fat time. They're not even praying because I'm praying. <laughs> and then I'm praying for 20, 30 people. And I'm going, Jesus, I can't handle this anymore. And God spoke to me and he said, park the wheelbarrow. So I did it on the Sunday. Are you with me, church? And so we need to get stuck in and we need to do the walk with God. We need to walk with Him by His Word. So Micah 6, 8 says, He has shown you, a man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So I don't know. Why do we struggle so much? There's that independence in us. There's that thing, you know, that somehow we know better. You know, that WWJD bracelet is a very real thing. What would Jesus do in a situation like this? The only way you're going to find out is go and read what he did and then do what he did. Are you with me, church? You know, there's a powerful healing. Powerful healing. You know, counseling courses are highly necessary. Highly necessary. But can I tell you that a lot of my healing took place for me because I went to the Word. And counseling courses do that. They direct you to the Word. It's to evangelize those unhealed areas, those areas that are not yet subject to the Word because of the pain. And so it's necessary. But I want to tell you, I was healed of extreme introversion, extreme low self-esteem as I sought God. Come on, church. We've got to get back to the Word. There's a power in the Word. But it needs to be the Word applied. It needs to be the Word lived. Amen. And so what would Jesus do? I love it. Isaiah 9, he starts prophesying and he says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of darkness, on them a light has shined. And Luke repeats it in Luke 2. 
When Jesus was born, and he says, people sitting in darkness, there's great light has shined on them. Come on, church. We're not walking in darkness. We're walking in light. And that light is the light of life. If you want to live a good life, walk in the light. Amen. And so Jesus spoke to the people once more, John 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, if you walk with me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. 1 Peter 2.21 says this, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. Oh, come on church, what would Jesus do? So let's get the word and start walking with him. And then there's just one more point and then we finish. Walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. I've got to read you this one. Psalm 97 verse 1 in the Amplified Bible says this. Are you all listening? Light is sown like seed for the righteous and illuminates their path. And irrepressible joy is spread for the upright in heart who delight in his favor and protection. Now, sometimes life becomes meaningless, pointless, miserable. We get depressed and anxious and all kinds of things. We get gloomy. The reason why our life is like it is because we don't walk with him. If we walk with him following his steps, the Bible says light seed is sown on our paths. And there's an irrepressible joy. Isaiah 50 something says, you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. And the mountains and the hills shall break forth before you and the trees of the field. Others will clap their hands. Amen. Amen. Come on, you will not make haste in leaving, it says. Yeah. I mean, this is powerful. This is, I, you might not be enjoying, but I'm loving this message. Yeah. I've got so much out of this message. Amen? So light seed is sown on your path. You know, God puts light seed. And when you come walking, going, like, God, it looks dark. That light seed explodes into, oh, I've got a light to walk in. Amen? And there's irrepressible joy. Pastor John, when you follow the Lord to... England, you know, and then right at the end of it, I was offered a fantastic job with a landscape gardener. He literally was begging me to stay and run his operation, offered me a fantastic salary. I could have been living in England, earning my pounds, you know, and that's where I could have been living. I was running the operation for him in, in the term holidays, and so he offered me a fantastic job. But I knew in my heart God wanted me back in Africa. I went back to Zim's. And at the end of the year, because I was so hungry for God, I was absolutely desperate for God. So what did it look like? Well, I went back to Zim's. I worked in my home church. I was so hungry for God, so desperate for God. I began to seek God. I was asking all the pastors, how does God speak? How do you hear the voice of God? I want to hear the voice of God. They couldn't tell me. I figured because they weren't hearing. But anyway, so they couldn't explain it. How does God speak? I want to hear God's voice. Then I started asking, what about the gifts of the Holy Spirit? What is a word of knowledge? What's a word of wisdom? What is prophecy? What is discerning spirits? They couldn't tell me. So I started to read the Bible and I started to pray. The Holy Spirit became my teacher. I began to seek it. It wasn't long. The full gospel pastor starts asking me, can you come and teach on the gifts of the Spirit in my church? I'm one year in the ministry. He's in the ministry 30 years. Will you come and teach it in my church? I'm teaching it. And then something started to happen in our church. When it was my turn to preach and the pastor was out planting a church somewhere else, the church was packed. And God was moving. People were getting healed, set free, delivered. I remember the first Sunday when he was out and he had now allowed me to preach. And um, I was standing in the prayer room, and I'd been asking the Lord, give me a word of knowledge. Show me a word of knowledge. What is a word of knowledge? How does it come? I don't know. So I'm standing there, and I just said, oh, Jesus, I'm available for anything this morning, uh, which I still do every service. Lord, I'm, oh, I'm, av you know, I'm available. And suddenly, in my mind's eye, I see a picture of a man with slave chains around his neck, um, driven with pegs into the ground, off his wrists, off his feet. And I'm seeing this picture, and I'm going like, oh, what is this? My eyes are closed and I'm watching. And then it's as if my mind's eye goes down the chain. And I see a parcel label tied to the chain. And on the parcel label is written a specific bondage. And then as I look, a bondage on that chain, bondage on that chain, bondage on that chain. And so I look down this particular one. I'm standing like this. My mind's eye goes and I'm seeing down this chain. Hands on the chain. 
And then it's like the picture zooms out, and it's like it's Jesus holding the chain. And he's looking at this, this person, this man, as if to say, if you stop struggling and trust me, I will set you free. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Jesus, this is amazing. What is this? Well, I, you know, I was a bit stupid because I'd been asking for a word of knowledge, so I figured that's what it was. And then I'm saying, Jesus, when do I say this? When do I say this? What do I do with this? How do this? Anyway, so now it's the song because I had to do it the way my pastor did it, you know, because we were too holy to sit with you during praise and worship. You know, you sit in the back, and when it gets to a particular song, you run out onto the stage, and then everybody's excited because the man of God's here, and then the singing goes up a level. You know, and then you join in for the last song, and then, and then hand it over to you, and you preach. You know, I always used to beg him and say, please go and go and sit by the people. Nope. And we had to sit on one of the thro- thro- a chair on the stage. <laughs> Mine was a little lower than his. He had the great throne. I had the, anyway. So the lesser throne. So anyway, I walk out, praise and worship ends. And as the music's winding down, I just know in my heart it's time to share it. So I quickly, I said, just while I was praying, the Lord showed me this. Every single person in the entire church runs to the front. With, I didn't even give an altar call. I just said, the Lord showed me this picture. And if you'll stop struggling, it'll set you free. Everyone's up, run to the front of the church. And immediately the pastor's wife starts to play the organ. She starts to sing, Jesus breaks every fetter and he sets me free. The power of God hits the place. I walked down to a guy who had been, during the army days, he had been uh, on a vehicle in a landmine, a military in a vehicle landmine, and badly broke his spine. And um, he was now a drug addict because he was addicted to morphine. So I walked down and he was the first person there. And he's standing up, hands in the air. Nobody else knew, I knew. That about his back and his addiction to morphine because I was his assistant pastor, you know. And I walked over to him, and as I touched him, the power of God hit him. He shot across the chairs. His head was on the back of one chair and his feet on the other, and his back was arched over the other row. And he stood up perfectly healed and completely delivered. Come on, church. Somebody say amen. amen. So that set me on a collision course with my pastor because now he felt I was turning the church against him because when it was his turn to preach, it was half the people. (laughs) Then when it was my turn to preach, the church is packed and God's doing stuff. So sometimes your path looks like, kind of like this. John, come in, Marvis. Come into Marvis, sit down. He says, I've become aware you're turning the people of this church against me. Long and short of the story is, sometimes the path of God looks like you just got fired. Out. And I'm like, where do I go? What do I do? There's nowhere. What do I do? Now, the principal of the Bible college had been asking me, John, we don't want you to go back to Africa, to Zimbabwe. Please. And they offered me big churches with good salaries to take over. Please, we want you to stay. We need men of God like you in England. And I kept saying, no, I feel the call of God is back in Africa. But I didn't sign up for that. Getting, now getting fired. Where am I going to go? So I think, I'm going to phone him. I'm going to go back to England, and then I'll take one of those big fancy churches. Because over there, I was earning a pittance, you know. I mean, I was maybe earning the same as the gardener. I mean, we were living on the barest. I just said, God, I've done it before. I've stepped out in faith. I'll go back. I'll go back. And late one night, I get a call, and I just hear the name, Benera Park. And, and then they tell me, there's no people. There's a building. There's no people, there's no money, therefore there's no salary. Mm. Sometimes, sometimes the path that God takes you on is quite scary. Amen? But I want to tell you, I wouldn't change one thing. I wouldn't change one thing. Sometimes the walk of God is tough, but He promises us light seed is sown on the path of the righteous. And I'll just stop there. But I just started to mention about the person of the Holy Spirit. God is so gracious. He surrounds us with leadership. You know, He Himself. And He gave us the example of Jesus. He left beside us a written record of men and women of God filled with principles, filled with truths. And then He, because we accept Jesus, He puts His Holy Spirit inside of us. And so we've got God's voice, God's unction. We have, God's, we have got God's influencing our thoughts and our decisions. We've got all of that 
inside of us. And so through the years, through 38 years, it's been the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's been his voice on the inside. And when I don't hear it, you know, I know enough of the manual. I know enough of the map book what to do. Amen. Amen. And one of the things that I've often said to people, 2004, I had a stroke. And it put me in bed for a year and a half. And I was extremely, extremely ill. We had just started the first bit of the extensions. And um, I couldn't do more than a few minutes of work a day or half an hour a day. But I remember coming in here and um, in my conscious mind, thinking about it and thinking about the state that I was in physically and a huge amount of brain damage. And um, walking in here and seeing half-completed um, stuff when we extended that first little bit. And I remember one day walking here, just my, this leg was dragging, this arm was not working properly. And um, walking around trying to pray, trying to hear from God. And... Um, looking at the building, and I said, okay, Lord, I said, I guess this is the end. I don't know what's going to happen to us. We don't have policies. We don't have a pension. We don't have anything. What's going to happen to me? I don't know what's going to happen, but this, I guess this is the end. And I said, Lord, I would have loved to have finished this. And just as clear as a bell, God spoke to me, and he said, your hands began this, and your hands will bring it to completion. Yeah. Wayne, is that your dad sitting with you there? Um, brother, I want to tell you it's not the end for you. No. It's the beginning of a new beginning. Awesome. You had similar thoughts to what I had. Mm. And I just want to tell you that God is giving you hope and he's giving you a future and he's giving you something ahead of you. It's not over. It's the beginning. Hear what I'm saying. I'm a man of God. Amen. It's the start of something fresh that God is going to give you. Good. Wayne, do you believe? Amen. Something new, because you thought it was over, there's no more money, there's no this, there's no that, what do I do? And I want to tell you it's not over. With God, nothing is ever over. Yeah. And you can write it down, you can write today's date, and you will see it come to pass. Good. And while I was standing there, as clear as anything, God spoke to me, he said, your hands began this project. Your hands will complete the full vision. Amen. And here we are. Amen. The voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit. There's no scripture text for that. Where do you get a scripture for that? But light seed is sown on the path of the righteous. Isaiah says, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk ye in it. Amen. Amen? And God will give you an idea. God will give it to you. You'll think it'll sound like your own thoughts, brother. And when it comes, God just gives power to that idea. And then something starts to happen. Amen. Come on, God's going to bring you through. You have the voice of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Amen? More than once. More than once. More than once. Then somewhere around 2007, I get another life-threatening disease called Lyme's disease. 2010, I'm laying in hospital dying. Because of the preaching of Prophet Quibus, I just keep declaring, I shall not die. I shall live. I shall not die. I shall live. From 2007 until just a little while ago. The virus was still racking my body. It was many days, many Sundays I stood here in that period of time. Many, many Sundays, standing here, standing here, behind the pulpit, preaching, and then pushing into the Lord. Lord, what do you want to say? What do you want to do? People coming forward, people getting healed, and I'm praying for them for healing, and they're getting healed, and I feel like I'm going to collapse and die here. Thin and weak, struggling to survive. But always, I just kept hearing this voice, you're going to make it. You're going to come through. You will prosper. You will be successful. You will complete the vision. You will do this. You will do this. And in my worst time, he starts saying, you will have 20 churches. You will plant 20 churches. And we're heading towards 23 now. You see, because for me, I don't know about you, because when the 20 churches are done, I'm saying, okay, Lord, I'm still strong, you know? And so what's next? So now it's 40 churches. Amen. So hear the voice. Hear the voice. Come on. He's got a path for you, church. You're not a little insignificant cog in a big mechanism. You're not unnoticed by God. You're not some random person that was just born in this particular time. You know, 
and, and it's just like you just happened here. Now you sit around and you're wondering, you know, and we'll start picking it up next week about, you know, about walking with God. But we need to walk with God intentionally and purposefully walking out his plan for our lives. Amen. What I want you to do is just I want you to engage with the Lord. I want you to respond. God has got a plan for you. God has got to walk with you to walk. And I know that you're on the way and I know that you're walking. But we're at a time when we really need to come into the specifics with the Lord. Your life is not over. You're not in survival mode. We're going into revival mode. Is that okay? You don't meander purposelessly. God has got a vision, a plan, and a call for your life, a part to play. It might be in your job. It might be business. Whatever it is, you know, God has got a plan. Inside the church, God has given you giftings that need to be used and expressed and worked out. And so I want you just with intent this morning to say, Lord, I have been walking with you, but I will continue to walk with you. Last week, I crossed a faith line and I'm going to walk out daily steps of obedience and I'm going to walk into my destiny. I'm going to walk into the plans that you have for me. Amen. Come on, I'm just making it practical what we did last week. Amen. So just, will you just, as we close, will you just raise your hands? Will you just surrender to the Lord? Will you just say, Lord, we're going to, I'm going to walk this road with you. And if there are some of you that are finding that it's just been really difficult, just do something. Do a physical thing. Just say, Lord, you, you promised to walk with me. You promised that I could share your yoke. Lord, would you come and just yoke in with me in this walk? Because it's been tough. It's been difficult. And I want you to walk with me. And I want you to become conscious of him at your right-hand side. I want you to be conscious of him standing there with you. And then say, Lord, we're going to just walk this road together. Some of you have walked through grief and pain and sorrow. Some of you have walked through unfulfilled desires and wishes and dreams. And um, some of you maybe are still there. And you just need to walk this road with God. He's going to take you through. And that I can give it to you as a guarantee. If you walk with Him, you will reach your destination. Father, we just respond this morning to your word. Lord, we want your word to gain entrance into our hearts. And Father, we thank you for the encouragement of Scripture this morning. Lord, the examples of men and women who walked with you, Lord, that is recorded in Scripture. And Father, we thank you. We will reach our destination in Jesus' name. We will become complete, mature, perfected in Christ. But Lord, we will reach our personal goals and destinations. Lord, those things that you have designed for us, we will see them fulfilled in the mighty name of Jesus. We all agreed and said, Amen.